Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Jewish leaders and the Pharisees asked Pilate that we guard Jesus' tomb for three days. Apparently, before he died, Jesus said he would rise on the third day. I guess they were scared that his followers would steal his body, fooling people into believing he was alive. So we stood, guarding that tomb for three days. And then on the third day, I haven't really told anyone what really happened. And the truth is, I don't even know what the truth is. I mean, we guarded prisoners all the time. We couldn't even guard a dead man. We were standing there, guarding the tomb. And then there was this massive earthquake and lightning bolts everywhere. I think I saw an angel. I thought it was dead. Then I woke up, the body was gone. Just this burial cloth was left behind. Surely this was no ordinary man. I was terrified. We thought about falling on our swords right there and then. We were good as dead. We wouldn't just lose our jobs, we'd lose our lives. So we went to the chief priest and told them everything. And they didn't even know what to do. So they came up with a story for us to tell. What? I had no choice. They said they'd talk to Pilate for us if we went along with their story. I've got a family to think about. Never in my life has a dead man ever demanded so much of my attention. I still have the money the chief priest gave me, and I've made my decision. Whoever this Jesus was, it doesn't matter to me anymore. All I knew was, when we were sleeping, the disciples stole the body. That was the truth now. You know, there's many theories around the body of Jesus and what happened to it on that particular day. You've just heard one of them, that the disciples themselves came and stole the body. My question would be this, what would they gain in stealing the body and how on earth did they do it? I mean, these disciples, they went on themselves to be betrayed, beaten, and ultimately they lost their lives. They became martyrs for their faith. And they encouraged others to go through the same kind of punishment because of their belief in this resurrected Lord. Not only that, but they themselves didn't believe in the resurrection. Mary herself went to the tomb not to see a resurrected Lord, but she went to the tomb to prepare the body. She came back from the tomb and said, Guys, I've had an angelic visitation. The guys, they didn't believe her. The disciples themselves did not believe Jesus when he said he would rise again on the third day. On top of that, even if the disciples did decide to steal the body, how were they going to remove the stone that was guarded by four men with weapons? When they themselves were terrified, afraid, and behind locked doors in the upper room. 
There are many theories. That's just one of them. Another one is that they were hallucinating. They desperately wanted to believe that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. And so they saw what was a figment of their imagination. The trouble is, the scriptures record that over a six-week period, on 11 different occasions, over 550 people, believer and unbeliever, saw this resurrected Christ before he ascended back into heaven. The evidence of the resurrection is in favor. And England... Lord Justice, Lord Darling, says this, In its favor, as living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is indeed true. What are you going to believe this morning? Empty was how I felt, not what I thought his tomb would be. Jesus, my son, why have they taken you? God, this is too much for me. No mother should have to watch her son die. Oh, that I could have died in his place. What good has this done? Where is the miracle? Lord God, help me understand. You said Jesus would save people from their sins. But how can he save people now? He's dead. He's gone. And now you've taken his body from me too. What have I left to mourn to? And then, as I sat there, holding his grave clothes in my hands, considering the possibilities of what could have happened to his body, I heard Mary Magdalene laughing and crying. I saw her hugging a man who looked like he could be a gardener. But as I got closer, my heart leaped. My knees became weak. And I questioned if my eyes could be trusted because I saw my Lord. There he was, beautiful as ever, alive, not dead, not dead at all. Tears came streaming down my face and I longed for him to hold me and never let me go. But he assured me that it was better for me that he go that he was preparing a place for us. I don't have all the answers, but standing near those discarded grave clothes, well, the secret's out now. He's not dead. He's not missing. He's not been taken away. He's alive. He walked out of this tomb and left death and these grave clothes behind. If there's a way to be had, it's through him. If there's hope in the world, his name is Jesus Christ. He's alive. The Messiah, our Messiah, my Messiah. 
Alive. If a picture's worth a thousand words, then an empty tomb holds a thousand promises. This event that took place some 2,000 years ago, the question has to be asked, how does that affect me some 2,000 years later? I, I could go on and on and on this morning because as Mary has already pointed out, there are thousands of promises. But if I could highlight just three very simple promises to encourage each and every one of you in this place this morning, they would simply be this. The first one would be that your past can be forgiven. Because of this empty tomb, your past can be forgiven. No matter what you have done, no matter what you have gotten up to, no matter what you've been involved in, that was taken care of 2,000 years ago. I may not know you personally, I may not know you with all your intricate details, but there is a God in heaven who knows you intimately and he loves you dearly. And he had a plan of salvation for you. He had a plan that all your past sins, all your mistakes, all the things that you are not proud of, your regrets, your hurts, your shortcomings could be forgiven once and for all. Your past can be forgiven. But not just that. Your present can be managed. We live in a world today where stress, anxiety, and depression is all on the rise. People today are not coping. They're not able to manage their present circumstances or situations. Enter the empty tomb. The power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is available to each and every one of us, not just that our past sins may be forgiven, but that our present problems can be managed and can be overcome. Such is the power of the tomb. And the third promise is that our future can be guaranteed. There is a universal problem, and that is this, that we're all going to die. Each and every one of us ultimately is going to leave this planet. I don't know when, I don't know where you'll be, but each and every one of us will ultimately leave this planet. And that causes a great fear for many, many people. But when you have Christ in your heart, knowing that he defeated death, you don't have to fear death anymore. For the Christian, death is simply a homecoming. And this is the assurance we have. There are thousands of promises, but here are three for you to think about this morning. That your past can be forgiven. Your present can be managed. And your future can be guaranteed. What would be the word for terrified and excited? All I know is we were both of those things that morning and that I ran faster than sandals ought to take you. After Jesus was crucified, we all hid in fear. It was all over. We were wrong about him. We must have been. 
Jesus was dead, he couldn't have been our saviour and king we had hoped for. But then some of the women went to the tomb, and well, no one believed their tale. But I didn't have time for questions. I ran as fast as I could, and when I got there, Jesus' grave clothes lay silent and neatly folded, as if they had some secret to tell. What could this mean? Had someone stolen his body? We returned to the disciples, well, perplexed. We locked all the doors for fear of the Jews. And then suddenly, he was standing there amongst us. I could see the very holes in his hands and feet. It was my Lord. My Lord, alive! He even ate with us. He was really alive. And then, as quickly as he came, he was gone. It all started making sense. The words Jesus spoke before his death prophesied that very thing. And not just his death, but his resurrection three days later. We hadn't understood it, but it all makes sense now. It's all so clear. He had to die. The freedom he was bringing to the people wasn't a rising up against the Romans. It was a freedom from death itself, through Jesus' death. <laughs> Jesus exceeded all expectations. He was the Messiah that none of us could contain. We had been hoping way too small. You know, even if we were able to prove the resurrection actually took place through great debate and discussion, which we could. But it's also worth looking at what does the actual re resurrection prove itself? It proves many things, but probably one of the greatest things it proves is this, that Jesus is who he claimed to be. See, Jesus made many, many claims. But the greatest claim that he made was this, that he was himself the Son of God. Now that either makes Jesus one of three things. It either makes him a liar because he said something that is not true. It either makes him a lunatic because he actually believed it, but he was so deluded that he managed to convince a bunch of weakened disciples. So he was either liar, lunatic, or he was indeed who he said he was, and that is Lord. But he can't be all three. He was either liar, lunatic, or Lord. And the religious people of the day, they said, you say you're Lord, go ahead and prove it. He said, I will. The challenge was that the, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, would put Jesus to death. And Jesus says, you'll put me to death, but on the third day I will rise again, thus proving I am who I said I am. You see, the resurrection proves 
the claims of Jesus Christ were, in fact, true. It also proves that he had the power that he said he had. I mean, Jesus endured much on the night that he was betrayed. And no religious organization or political power was able to stop Jesus and what he had come to do. Such was the power. And they tried to stop him. Believe you me, they tried their best to stop him. They had Jesus arrested. In actual fact, he had four trials in the middle of the night. All of them were bogus to the core. They were trying to set him up. He was falsely accused. He was battered, beaten, and bruised. He was forced to carry a cross weighing about 150 to 200 pounds for a 650-yard journey along the Via Della Rosa. He'd lost so much blood that he stumbled and fell. A man by the name of Simon was there to help him carry the cross. When he got to the place where he was to be crucified, they nailed his hands and his feet to this cross. Large spikes driven through both hands and both feet. He endured mocking. People walked past and slapped him. People accused him falsely. He ultimately died. He was taken off that cross, put inside a tomb. The entrance of that tomb was covered over by a large stone that took four men to move. The government and the political powers of the day used all their power to stop this man, Jesus, Having endured all that, on the third day, Jesus, full of the power of the living God, shook off death as you and I would shake off a fly on a sunny, hot day by the beach. Thus proving you cannot keep a good man down. You see, the Pharisees, they, they couldn't stand him. And Pilate, he couldn't fault him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave could not hold him. Jesus Christ is and was who he claimed to be, the Son of the living God. And it also proved that what he said could be trusted. See, the crucifixion did not take Jesus by surprise. We just heard from Peter. 
And he mentioned many times that he was born to die. It was the disciples, they, they didn't like that. But the crucifixion did not take Jesus by surprise because that is why he came. And he spoke about it publicly and he spoke about it often. He also said, not only would he be killed, but that he would indeed rise again on the third day. And the first words... Jesus spoke, having coming out of the grave. And it is not recorded in Scripture. It is simply this. I'm back. A <laughs> little bit of poetic license there. But in coming back, it proved that he's a man who can be trusted. His word can be trusted. Jesus made many promises. And every one of them was fulfilled. He said to Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you will disown me. That's exactly what happened. He said to the disciples on the night that he was betrayed, go, I want you to get a donkey to be here. Just do this, do that. And it was exactly as it happened. Jesus also made some boasts about a second return, that he would come back. And because of all that Jesus said, and because he's a man that can be trusted with his word, I have an absolute confidence and assurance in my heart that what he said, he will do into the future. He will indeed do. Just as he said he would die like he did and rise again on the third day like he did, he also said, if you'll come to me, if you'll surrender your life to me, I will give you my life. And I will give you life with a capital L. I will give you life to the max, life to the full. I will give you a purpose-driven life. This life that Jesus spoke about is available freely for everyone who humble themselves and come to Him and give their lives to Him. Such is the incredible weight and significance of what took place some 2,000 years ago. You see, the Easter message is real simple. In its purest, simplest form, Easter is that you matter to God. God, in his love for humanity, saw our struggles, saw our hurt, our pain, our shame, saw that in spite of our best efforts, we couldn't quite get our own lives right. And so he initiated a plan of salvation. And so he sent his son. And through his son coming and going on the cross and rising again on the third day, 
it has given each and every one of us an opportunity to start over and to have that relationship with our Creator that was lost because of our mistakes and shortcomings. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 